Welcome back, everyone, to Random's Thoughts. Today, I wanted to put some thoughts out there on the elephant in the room. Most people who have hung out in my Twitch stream have probably noticed a departure, a shift from the obligatory Brian Believer conversations that were infesting the stream for what felt like a long time. It was kind of a requirement for it to come up on every stream. However, in recent days, it's been replaced by a new horror, an omnipresent evil that strikes fear into the heart of everyone that has guarded some myths over the last couple of months. Naturally, I'm speaking about Rebellion Safehouse. Now, I do want to state at the beginning that I'm a little undecided about how to proceed. I can sympathize, to an extent anyway, with the complaints levied against Safehouse. In spite of everything, I'm still not clear on what the path forward is, no pun intended. We'll get into different ways to adjust this particular path, but let's first talk a little bit about why there are so many issues. First of all, I think we can all recognize the power level for this specific path. It pretty much screams play me in a control build, which honestly I think is fine. Having signpost cards, or in this case paths, are important. For this path, the way to build the deck is fairly obvious. And overall, that's a good thing. It allows multiple different iterations to exist as well. You can have different color combinations, different tweaks to the build, so long as you ensure that you're not clogging up your own board with minions, of course. There is a power level argument here, but first, let's focus on the play pattern. There are comparisons that can be made to other games and other metas of yesteryear that might creep in here, so bear with me. Rebellion Safehouse punishes your opponent for trying to play the game. It's a catalyst, an accelerant for the control player. Normally, the control player is sacrificing that early game tempo for later game strength. You simply just have to mitigate the early assault of your opponent and then bask in the power of all these free cards that you're drawing. That sounds great, right? But there's got to be a catch. That's kind of part of the issue, is that there isn't really a catch for the most part. You ultimately end up with additional benefits instead of costs due to the flag, which we'll touch on later. For a game that has, in my experience, in the short time that I've played it, predominantly been dominated by slower or at very least mid-rangey value-based builds as compared to aggressive strategies, the hits keep coming for aggro. Ironically enough, Rush, which is often assumed to be an aggro keyword, is a safehouse deck's best friend in a lot of cases. You can leverage the early game Rush minions, such as Daring Trapezus or Racer in Shadow, to remove your opponent's minions early game while allowing you to continue to build energy on the safehouse because they have to keep playing into it in order to advance their game plan. Losing your minions in this process is not a big deal because now the board's clear and your opponent gets first act and they have to play into the safe house, as we mentioned. There are other ways to also simulate this sort of effect with Blight, which we'll also touch on later, but there are a lot of different ways that you can construct safe house and put your, in, put your opponent in a damned if you do, damned if you don't position. But wait, there's more. Remember those flags that we mentioned earlier? Well, now you can reliably remove up to four health minions, maybe five if you're running a road, thanks to Slayer and Stats. All for the low, low cost of precisely zero mana. Well, on the flag, you have to have another card to add it onto. 
It's kind of crazy when you think about it, that you're packing all of this power into a card that you will have in 100% of games. You will always have your path available, and then that path is going to generate the flag at varying points. All of these factors add up to push people towards safe house, and it does provide a lot of utility and power, hence why people are drawn to it. That introduces the issue of safe house mirrors, where often the best play is not to play. Not literally, of course. You're in a game after all, but it encourages a very passive play style that may incur some painful memories for those of you that have played card games for a long time. Remember old Drago lists from like 1995? That's what's conjured in my brain, at least, anytime I play with or against Safe House. For some, that sounds spectacular. A lot of people are very enthusiastic about those particular play patterns. But it would appear that a lot of people aren't quite on board with it, and they're not too excited about that prospect. Now, I've joked, air quotes, on stream that the appropriate course of action is to simply not play any cards for as long as possible effectively skipping the first few turns of the game and dropping both players into turn one, again, air quotes, on what's actually turn five or six, if you can follow what I'm saying. This creates a very weird scenario that isn't inherently bad. It's not necessarily a problem, but it doesn't seem to be a desirable thing if various social media platforms are to be to believe, such as a number of Discord discussions, we'll say. It's a play pattern that you have to enjoy on its own and if you don't it's it's okay but right now it doesn't appear that it's very popular now is it possible to beat safe house of course is it possible to beat safe house consistently without playing safe house that's a more complicated question i think there are builds out there to do exactly that but i'll openly admit two things related to it first off i'm not exactly the best myth card player in the world anybody who's seen my stream you can attest to that so my opinions could be a little bit skewed in relation to this secondly even if we assume that you crush safe house what's the cost there are you beating anything else it, it would be simple to just say that a meta is balanced, even if everything has 100-0 or 90-10 matchups where you crush deck A but get crushed by deck C, running B. That isn't a really good feeling when it comes to actually playing the game. Yes, it's air quotes balanced, but the problem with it is, is that you're not really playing much of a game in a lot of those scenarios. Based on the latter population, now I'm specifically talking about Mithril and Champion here, it certainly seems that many people are in the camp of play safe house or don't play. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that appear to be choosing the latter. As for tournaments, I'm personally of the opinion that it's simpler to just ban the safe house deck 100% of the time and fight the other things that your opponent brought than to try to come up with three decks that can reliably beat the monster in this question. If we look at other games for a moment, the unfun argument in relation to banning, eroding, modifying, however you want to look at various cards, effects, and rules is an actual thing. It's a very dangerous one, and certainly one that's difficult to define concretely and actually codify. That doesn't necessarily make it any less compelling, though, and just something that needs to be considered carefully. Within the scope of Safe House, we need to decide and determine whether changing Safe House is going to produce a quote-unquote more fun environment. Now, the earlier 
portion segment is really just a brief synopsis on the issue. I could go on and on and on. And I have on stream about other facets of Safe House, how it relates to the meta. But let's keep moving and assume just that there is a problem. Let's go to the base case for now. What needs to be done or what can we do? A number of people have their own opinions, ranging from changing when safe house triggers, sunrise to sunset, to modifying life total to removing additional stats on the flag to complete reworks. So we're going to look at a couple of them, and I'll throw in my thoughts on it. In looking at moving from sunrise to sunset, you alter a fairly significant portion of this path. It's going to be significantly more difficult to build energy as even the rush minion approach, or virtually any removal at all, will end up generating a big old goose egg in the energy column. Now, Blight ends up becoming more desirable than it may already be, and it does exist in a number of safe house builds, because you preserve your enemies for a turn until they expire. Or you could go a route where you're reducing their attack with things like Troika Sect. Now, in either case, it may be reasonable, but this is a pretty drastic change. I think people who are sick of Safe House may relish the idea of kneecapping it in this particular fashion, but I'm not sure it's the healthiest response. Control, even plotting very methodical control decks, should exist. They should be available for people who enjoy those archetypes. The issue, of course, is when they become oppressive. If I were calling the shots, personally, I think I'd shy away from this particular response initially. Now, another suggestion that's been brought up is actually reducing the life total that you start with on the safe house. Although I wasn't initially enthusiastic about this idea, it's been growing on me since I first was informed about it. As I play safe house and I have this notion in the back of my head, I'm realizing how many games would have been closed out by my opponent or I would have closed out playing against safe house if the safe house player simply had five less life to start the game with. It provides a much-needed, at least in my opinion, shot in the arm for aggro. It allows an opposing control or mid-range deck to leverage windows and leverage advantages within a given game to try and close it out that may not have been there if there was an additional 5-life buffer. And maybe, most importantly of all, it gets it in line with Turn of Seasons. I mean, seriously. Why does one have plus 1 life and the other starts with plus 5? I don't get it. There are other ways to tackle changes, as mentioned earlier, but these two seem to be the front runners. Now, changing safe house itself is not the only consideration in this discussion. There are issues with a number of cards, archetypes, and play patterns that may be exacerbated by nerfing safe house. You never quite know what's lurking in the shadows now that the top dog gets knocked off. Updates don't happen in a vacuum. However, I do believe something to safe house needs to happen soon. We're closing in on the next open, and I think making a change in advance is important to allow players to properly adapt. Even more important, however, is the ladder. Most people interact with the ladder and not necessarily with the tournament scene. Getting more people onto ladder and showcasing how awesome of a game Mythgard is goes a long way. Mythgard, even its current iteration, with Safe House as it is, is an amazing game. We just need people to realize it. Getting people back onto the ladder and playing is an important component. Having a larger population on the ladder is very important for what I'm sure are incredibly obvious reasons, but 
there is also a huge multitude of reasons. So that pretty much it, everyone. Just some quick thoughts about Safe House. Feel free to check out my Twitch stream where I'm often playing Mythgard and, you know, rambling about the game itself. <laughs> so please subscribe and follow both here on YouTube as well as there on Twitch so you can see when new content goes up. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Black Lives Matter.